Welcome to this new episode of Toss Masterminds. My name is Joan Carbonell and this is a podcast where we are going to meet people who like to learn and grow day by day. We have something very specific that unites us. We are interested in one way or another in public speaking, and this has led us to meet in our Toastmasters club in Mallorca, Mallorca Warsmiths. But we're not going to speak exclusively about public speaking and the club. In this episode, we want to get to know the people who make up the club better, share with each other a bit more about our personal and professional interests, and who knows, maybe discover other ways of collaborating to create something more. And today we have as our guest on this program, Ismael Gutierrez. Welcome, Ismael. Hi, John. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for taking time <laughs> to participate in this podcast. It has been really hard <laughs> to get a, a proper time <laughs> to do it, yeah. but it should be something really interesting. My bad, my bad. No. My bad. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. So let's start with our first question. Who are you and what do you actually do? Well, my name is Ismael Gutierrez and Uh, as you can see my, from my name, I'm Spanish. I'm a lawyer by training, but at the moment I'm the managing director of a public institution. And we could talk a bit more about that later if you want. And I've been working on my public speaking since 2015, I think, when I joined Toastmaster at a club back in London. And I've been doing my best to improve it ever since. So that's basically who I am. Lawyer, public institution, and interested in Toastmasters and London, just in... In 30 seconds, we had a lot of questions uh, to, to dig in. So let's start with London. What about England, London? Yeah, the, the, the story begins in Barcelona, actually, where I, uh, I studied law there. I became a lawyer there and I met my now wife there. We were studying a master's degree together and uh, we joined later on big law firms and we were walking. We spent four years in Barcelona walking crazy hours. Uh, back in London, uh, back in uh, back in Barcelona, sorry. And then after four years, we decided that before we were turn, we were about to turn 30. Well, I was. She's a bit younger than me, but I was. So before that, we wanted just to. We both had this chip on our shoulder that we wanted to leave abroad, and we both love the UK, especially London. And we decided, why not? Let's just leave everything behind, and let's just relocate there with no jobs, nothing lined up, and let's just try it. And we did. It went surprisingly well. I joined the civil service. I began working for a government institution, Ofgem, uh, which was probably the, my, the best period of my career. But then I realized that um, I have been working on my public speaking skills for, for a time, because as a lawyer, you're supposed to. But I realized when I was in London that I was not really comfortable speaking in front of English people in English. So my expectations, and Yuan, you know a bit about the how our expectations work uh, with our brains. I, I wasn't feel. I was actually quite nervous and I, I didn't like that. And then I realized, I noticed that we had a Toastmaster club, a corporate Toastmaster club at Ofgem and I joined. I joined in November 2015 if I don't, if I, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was November 2015. And I've been a member ever since. I switched clubs when I moved back to Mallorca, but it's been an amazing experience and yeah, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. It's been a really transformative journey. You said that as a lawyer, uh, you are supposed to improve your public speaking. Do you think that that is 
something general about lawyers? They do that? Do you something like this in your career or is personal interest? I think they should. Personally, when I was actually a student, when I was at uni, I was completely aghast by the lack of interest people had in public speaking. I think a lawyer normally in Spain, but also in the UK, gets measured by the uh, technical knowledge, and that is very important. But given the rate at which laws are changed, in my personal view, I think it's we sometimes dedicate too much time uh, to studying, which is very important, but we also need to be able to convince judges, to convince counterparts, to be able to negotiate and to be able to convey a message to the counterpart. And in order to do that, you need to develop your public speaking skills, not just in picking, speaking in front of an audience, but also being persuasive in front of a judge or being able to negotiate a good deal in front of a counterpart when you're actually dealing or you're negotiating um, uh, I don't know, a purchase of a property or something like that. So I think it, it should be mandatory for lawyers, but I'm, I'm not in a position to say that they all do because I think most of them don't, don't, don't pay enough attention to public speaking. Do you think that uh, being persuasive can change the result of a trial? Or the... Yeah, absolutely. Judges are human beings. And I come from a... So I do public, public law. So when you go to court, it's not that usual to have hearings. So you don't normally see the judge. But in my experience as a lawyer, I'm really nerdy about it. And I think there's a lot of elements that can actually, especially in the first instance, and if you go to appeal, that's a different, a whole different story. But in the first instance, judges are human beings. And things like being the first in the morning or being the last before lunch is really, really determining. It's key depending on your on your on your aspirations but we have to think that the judge is a person is a human being with his own problems his own i don't know how to put it but his own dealings personal um sufferings uh, you don't want to be hearing boring lawyers um, during eight hours straight and if you get this great lawyer that is able to capture your attention that has a good control of tonality and that it's not going to rumble for hours, that it's going to go to right to the right to the spot and it's going to be brief, that makes a huge, a huge difference. And, and that's just an example. We could be speaking also about meet, negotiation meetings or just getting clients. That is, public speaking is also really useful in that regard. It's clear about negotiation or getting <laughs> clients or those things, but you may expect that the law is the law. So it, that doesn't depend on things that are external, like the presentation, and <laughs> you say. Of course, I mean, you cannot, if, if a case is lost and the law is not with you or the precedents are not with you, a good presentation is not going to save your ass, that's for sure. But normally, it's never that clear cut, especially in Spain, especially in public law. It's a lot, there's a lot of uh, interpretation, there's a lot of argumentation, there's a lot of, uh, um, yeah, it is, it is a fight between points of view. So in those instances, a good delivery can make a difference. When and why did you decide to come back to Mallorca? It was in it was mid twenty seventeen. I just I just proposed to my now wife, and um, I wanted to remain in London, but my wife wanted to move back to Spain because the experience was enough for her. And I'm a I'm a bit of an Anglophile myself, so I would have been really happy staying there. 
There was also Brexit in the mix. It was not the main reason, but I was working for government and I was not too comfortable working for a government that was pushing such a... I don't want to get too politic here, but uh, I wasn't too comfortable working for a government that was pushing for such an idiotic policy. So it was a mix of, of reasons, but we decided to move back. And then uh, I began testing my network, both in Barcelona and Mallorca and also in Madrid. And then there was the party, a member of a political party, and the party just came to me and said, look, we've got this position. We need a person that knows a lot about public law and because we've got this institution that is doing really poorly in legal terms and we need a person to lead it. And it was really easy for me. I was. It took me just a few weeks and I was just here. And then my wife just moved back to Mallorca and it, it took her two weeks to find a job as well as a tax lawyer. So it was pretty easy. And I've been working as a managing director of the Blood Bank of the Balearic Islands ever since for almost five years now. And it's been a really interesting experience where, again, my public speaking skills and my public speaking journey has been, has been really, really important. This is something interesting, the Blood Bank. How is the experience of managing an institution like this? It is very different because for most of my career I've been, so when I was a lawyer in Barcelona, I was actually annoying this sort of enterprises. I was actually uh, filing complaints or claims against public institutions. Then back in London, I was working in a public institution, but with a civil service system, which is really different to the Spanish civil service system. Uh, it's been a challenge, certainly. It's been a pleasurable challenge. I think we, we get, we, we're doing great things. We've been doing amazing things and we're getting good results. But again, without my public speaking skills and without the things that I've learned also in terms of leadership from Toastmaster, I don't think I would have been able to perform as well as I think I did. I've made plenty of mistakes. I, 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 I want for, I'm, I'm one that believes that making mistakes is absolutely essential in order to grow. But I'm pretty happy with what we've done. And yeah, the, this growth mindset that you get from Toastmaster, you need to grow, especially not only in public speaking, but also on leadership. That's been essential to me. This is something really interesting. Most people that we interview in these episodes talk about the, the, just the public speaking part. What's your experience with the leadership part and the leadership program and the skills that you get and how you apply that to your work, for example? I think I, I, I think that it's often overlooked in Toastmaster, the, the leadership paths, like something that you do because you have to do it and because you want to get the levels or the, the titles in the legal in the previous system. But I think it's very important because we all got, we are, we're all going to lead from where we are. There's this thing that uh, you have to lead from your chair, both upwards and downwards. And uh, you get to learn a lot of things in, from, from the leadership pathways from Toastmasters that otherwise it's very difficult to learn from reality. Or if you get that knowledge and those skills from Toastmaster, that's something that you say from reality and that, that's, that's one step that you can avoid and you can perform better. So for instance, the way a big public corporation works is not that different from a club. There's people with roles, with their own agendas, with their own personal interests, with their own quirks and their own, their own mannerisms and there's conflict and there's the things that you see at the Toastmaster Club. It's just the small representations of what you get in a massive big public corporation or private corporation. 
of course it depends a lot and there's there's a lot of variants and it's not like it's not a clear cut again but it's really really helpful for instance let me give you an example listening to others active listening and being able to appraise their work in a constructive manner something that you get by my friends for instance being an evaluator a toastmaster is absolutely essential john you cannot imagine the number of instances that i was mortified by people giving bad feedback at the office or people just rumbling on on meetings and being unable to follow an agenda it's not like world smith it's not like Mallorca Watersmith is great at following the agenda, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But but uh, but this but this but we still try, and I, I, I at the office I'm really demanding in that regard. If the meeting is thirty minutes, the meeting is thirty minutes, and you better shut up because I'm going to shut up. I'm going to shut you up if you don't do it yourself. Why is this important? Because our time is important and other, other people's time is important. And the more time we spend on a meeting, the less we want to work because meetings are work management and we should be doing as little work management as possible and working as much as possible within the eight hours that we have on a day, for instance. Okay, we have been talking about the Block Bank, but uh, there is another institution that you are actively working, that is the political party and probably the... Uh, also, public speaking and leadership skills could be interesting there. I've never been involved in this kind of institutions, but they can have some kind of mystery or I don't know how it's organized. So what can you share with us about how is managing your life in a political party? It is, you, have to, you have to feel it, right, Joanne? You were saying that you, you don't see yourself joining a political party, and I absolutely respect that because... you. I feel it like a call that you want to you want to join for a reason in my case I, I want to join because I want to make a change and I want to do I want to help the current party that I'm part of with which I share a political view but I want to do good things by the people I want to improve society I want to help society to grow and that's been a really really again transformative journey for me uh, from the block bank we've been doing great things to help donors and to get receivers to improve services and to improve the policies that we use and to improve things we're far from from ideal but that's been great and that's that's what politics have allowed me to do the common good that i like to to like to pursue about public speaking and leadership and politics of course, it is essential. I'm going to ask to your listeners whether they prefer a politician that works on his or hers public speaking skill to a politician that doesn't care about it. It makes a massive difference. We all know politicians that we can admire, regardless of the policies, regardless of the ideas. You can hear a politician that you say, hmm, this guy works on his public speaking skills or this guy has leadership skills. And you can tell that person apart from the politician that doesn't care about it and has never done anything to improve his, his skills. And that makes a huge difference because, again, politics is about communication. It is about listening. That is a lot. But it's also about conveying a message properly. And, again, I think that people don't care much in politics in all the parties. They don't care much about it. And it's a shame. Luckily, my party is trying to do things and they count on me to 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 do little courses for candidates to improve their public speaking skill. It's not that I'm, I know it, I don't know everything about it, but I think I can share a bit of knowledge and hopefully 
making debates and public interventions and public meetings more entertaining and more interesting to the people, to the voters. I've seen several speeches that you have been doing in the past, but especially talking about debates or about public interventions that you may have to do, probably the part of improvisation could be something really interesting. This is something that we try to develop in, in Toastmasters. What's your opinion about that? It is my favorite bit of the session. I've, um, every time that I'm to the Toastmaster of the night, I always say, and now my favorite part of the meeting. Why I like it so much? Because I enjoy it more and I think it is more natural than a prepared speech. And don't get me wrong, prepared speeches are essential. Politicians should prepare their speeches a lot better than they do normally. They shouldn't avoid reading them, for instance. I'm talking about politicians, I'm talking people at weddings. I just went to a wedding and I heard one of the worst speeches I've ever heard in my life. Um, it's just a tiny little thing like memorizing the speech and not reading it makes such a huge difference but again another way to do that and I've been a speaker at weddings for instance is to improvise a little bit and let it flow of course it's not easy Some you need a lot of practice to get it right you, you know that there's, there's this always 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 when you are improvising this introduction message or core message and conclusion and you have to develop a lot of mental skills in order to deliver that while you're speaking. But I enjoy it a lot. And I think in life, you're going to be using a lot more the improvisation side than the uh, prepared side of the public speaking art, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, it's the part uh, that most scares me <laughs> about. Is it? <laughs> yeah, Is it really? Yeah, oh, really. Why? <laughs> I, I, think you do, I think you do really well when you do it. Yeah, well, I need to challenge myself <laughs> to do it more often. <laughs> I try to get other roles and help the, team, the club in, in different parts of that uh, instead of participating into improvisations. But for instance, John, if you allow me, um, uh, for instance, at the, at the Blood Bank, I, I do all the uh, PR with, with the press, all the interviews, because people are the people at the blood bank, they don't like journalists, they don't like interviews, they don't like the telly, they don't like the radio. And I do. And then people are saying, Oh, but you do so well. Well, so well. I mean for, for the standards, given the standards, I do so well. Um, why is that? Is that because it's improvising. You get a question that you're not expecting, and you've been you're able to take your time, speak slowly, and you develop the speech while you are talking. And I'm able to do that because I've been practicing a lot. As you were saying, as you were saying just a minute ago, I've challenged myself so many times at table topics that now I'm not scared in front of a journalist. But whatever they ask me, and it's it's not uncommon that they ask me something that I don't know. But you control the narrative during the interview. If, for instance, last week a journalist asked me asked me something very technical that I didn't know, and you could think, well, you're managing director, you're a lawyer, but you should know the technical stuff as well, the, the, the medical technical stuff as well. And I and I improvise, and I say, no, I don't know it, I don't know everything, and I, I was able to compose a really decent response, and that's because I've been doing the table topics a lot. I, I'll take. This as a challenge. <laughs> please do, please do. Yeah, I, I need to do that. Okay, so London, Mallorca lawyer, blood bank, 
uh, I was thinking of uh, usually my last question is about uh, how people can contact you. Uh, but I, I think I will leave this opportunity so that you convince people to get to the blood bank. <laughs> that is yeah. probably something that's really necessary and important. Excellent. And it's one of your duties. Okay. <laughs> so let's move to other parts of your life, more maybe more personal about your hobbies. Your, what, what do you like to do? I know that you have a new hobby in the last... I don't know, six months maybe, that is six probably months, taking, months, taking a lot of time. <laughs> so uh, what does uh, Ismail do apart from working? Uh, well, John, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I became a parent six months ago. Um, uh, little Pao was born in November, 15th of November. And it's been a, one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. Uh, Gemma and I are very lucky as well because uh, Pao is so well behaved. It is actually annoying. I mean... Uh, it's, I mean, Pao, you, I, I tell I tell the little lad, you cannot be this good. This is not good for you, man. You should be crying a bit more. Now, but jokes aside, it's been an amazing experience. We are enjoying it a lot. It takes a lot of time, yeah, but we were we knew what we were getting into, and um, yeah, it's been absolutely transformative again. And it is it is a bit weird, but I, I'm I'm looking forward to being able to interact with my son as a little man because I've learned so much not just in Toastmaster but in my life that I want to help him have those skills at school and being able to tell him look active listening super important pay attention to others take care of how you speak how you deliver the message I think those skills could be uh, I mean if you can learn this from your from your own father that'd be that'd be absolutely amazing but apart from that apart from Pau and um, uh, you know that you, you, you're, a, you're a father as well you know that if we start talking about our children there's no stop to this so the other two three things that I do is reading um I I'm a crazy reader because I, I just like it uh mountain running I I'm really I've been always really into sports since I was very little and now for the last Two or three years, I've been really getting into mountain running and mountain marathons. And last but not least, languages. Um, I love learning languages. I'm really into German at the moment, but I'm also uh, learning Swedish and Japanese. And I am trying to get back my French because I studied it at school and I'm trying to get, back, get it back on track because when you don't practice a language, you forget it really quickly. And yeah, those are my three hobbies at the moment. And that's all my time. That and my partner, that's all my time. I've got time for nothing else. And Toastmaster, but well, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, to me, that's part of everything else. That's languages, yeah, yeah. that's How is the experience of learning so many different languages, more or less at the same time? German, Swedish, Japanese? <laughs> So the thing is, Japanese and Swedish, I'm not taking that seriously. That's more like uh, Japanese at the moment, I'm learning to read. I know I know how to say basic stuff, but I'm, I'm learning hiragana and katakana and a bit of kanjis. You know, I don't know if you know, but there's two alphabets and then there's, there's the symbols. There's hiragana and katakana are the alphabets and then kanjis are the symbols. I'm just learning that. Swedish, I've got a Swedish family and it's just part of my life. And German is because after, when I leave the block bank, I want to go back to practicing law. And I think learning German is essential in Mallorca. And how's the experience? It's like, the brain is like a muscle. And people tell me that I'm really talented at languages, but I happen to disagree. I just like them. 
and I just practice a lot. And the more you practice, it's just like your biceps. The more you train it, the more it will respond. You build mental pathways. And actually, there's one thing I want to share with your listeners and with you. Um, expectations are everything. And we all have, we all plateau in everything that we do. We reach to a level upon which we think we cannot improve. And this happened with my English. I thought, well, my English is pretty solid. I'm confident with it. It's, just, it's, it's going to be very difficult for me to improve it. And then I started learning German. And my brain said, blimey, blimey, you can do better. I mean, if you can learn German, this crazy, mad language, uh, well, you can learn new things in English because there's, there's enough space in your brain to learn all of this stuff. So again, uh, for anyone listening, uh, with languages, you need to adopt the growth mindset. If you think I'm good or bad with languages and that's it, you're done. It is about improving, it is about challenging yourself, it is about growing. And that's that's my experience and uh, I absolutely love it. So I encourage everyone to to keep growing. For instance, Joanne, I think I told you in one of our last meetings that um, I either told you or I was meant to tell you, and I want to say it now, uh, your English was great when I met you, but it's been improving of late. And I love it when people that are so advanced in a language push it and they keep trying and they keep improving it. Because it's never great. It's never. It's not. It's not. It is never perfect. Not even Brits have a good English. So <laughs> there's always room for improvement. And I follow your account on Goodreads, and I'm really impressed of how uh, avid reader are you. Because every week <laughs> there is a new nah. book you are reading. <laughs> you read a lot. No, nah, but I've got. I've got. I've got a tiny little secret that I can share with you uh, because no one else is li listening to us. No, just kidding. I, got, I, I don't mind uh, sharing this with you when you're with your listeners. I try to lead at least one book a month, proper reading. Um, but I also use Audible and Audible. audiobooks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this gives me at least two books a month. And normally it's three. I read two books a month and then I listen to just one book a month because I don't want to, I don't want to push it. Uh, listening to a book is not the same as reading it. And if you look at, if you follow me on Goodreads, you'll see that the books that I listen to, so you'll see a really deep book about philosophy, religion, uh, politics, things like that. And then something about anxiety or productivity or focus or growth. When you see like reading, that's audible. And when you see something more deep or a novel, that's that's a physical that's book. Physical book. Okay. Yeah. Great, great. Interesting. And about mountain running, are you doing competitions in those topics? Yeah. Or, yeah? Yeah. It is the same thing. It's about challenging my brain. So, for instance, next week I've got Desafio Fas. Uh, you go from Port de Sawyer to Puch Mayor, and then you go back. That's 43 kilometers and uh, positive yeah um positive accumulation of 200 two, uh, 2200 meters yeah. uh, that's <laughs> that should be like five hours and a half of a race and uh, again it is the same thing you push your brain you learn how to be patient you know to control yourself you know it's also there's a bit of meditation in these sort of races and it's 
did another journey in my life just to control myself better and to grow as a human being and to also this concept in Spanish of cojones. Uh, there, is, there is no cojones to do that. Well, there are. There are. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's the way to, but, but it is the same with public speaking. It is the same with learning languages. You were saying it before. You don't enjoy it much, uh, improvising, you said, Joan. But you do it because that's cojones. And you want to do it. And it is the way for us to grow. There's this book that I read, read very recently that basically said that uh, we're here to... To, to suffer and to go through hardships and to grow through those hardships and to become better human beings and to improve improve the world through those hardships. And that's the way I look at life. Really, it's impressive uh, to listen all the challenges and all the experiences from physical uh, development, mental, uh, languages, all those topics. So it's, it's really glad to listen all this information and, and see... Uh, that it's possible to do all these, those things at the same time and in the same life. So it's incredible. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start uh, going to the end of the session. Uh, and the first question is, how would you convince a member that has not yet participated in this podcast, how could you convince them to attend to this interview? Very easy. That person has a story to tell. And the, the good thing about, so this Dale Carnegie said that human beings love one thing that is just to be listened to. And when I tell people to come to Toastmaster and they say, no, I'm, I'm scared of it. I said, no, well, you're going to have 20 people. They're going to be listening to you, whether they like it or not. And you, you're going to be able to speak about whatever you want to speak about. And I think that is that we should be very grateful to have these spaces. And now in this interview, what I've done basically is just to rumble about myself. So my brain is on steroids at the moment. Uh, Juan, as the podcaster, is doing a great job, but it's not as pleasant to him because he's the one doing the listening. And people listening to us at the moment, they're interested in it. And they are. it is a great, great platform for people to tell the story. And every single person we meet has a story to tell. And so some, if someone is in Toastmaster, that person is gonna is either going to have a public speaking, um, a stage fright, or they want to have, uh, or they have goals. And those things are really, really important because when we share, and now we, we, we have people at the moment, just right now listening to us that are looking to something. If we share a story, we might help those people to improve or to grow. And that, that's very important. So I'm going to tell, I would tell that person that is thinking about join, coming to your, to your podcast, it is a, an opportunity for you to talk about yourself, to talk about your goals, your, your life, your challenges, your successes. So why not? Why not? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I have to say that most of the members have already accepted for that and some people is having agenda problems that this is uh... like me like me i know i'm very sorry i'm very no, sorry no 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 and sorry. I'm, we I'm still excited. have some chapters to finish this season one <laughs> of the podcast but it's really a good experience but uh, as i was saying most of the people has accepted the challenge i'm really happy with the results as you know, we have a small game here that is every member launches a question for the next 
person that will be interviewed. In this case, our last person that we interview launched the question for you, that is, how is public speaking having a direct impact on your life and in what areas specifically? How does better public speaking make you a better person? In every single instance, because every single interaction counts. Um, and I say this a lot. When I go to get a latte to a coffee shop, that interaction with the, with the person at the counter, that relies on public speaking skills. Because that person is going to meet probably 15, 20 people during a normal work day. And if that person, that person at the counter comes across someone that is engaging, that is funny, that has good um, use of their eyes, not my case, but you know what I mean, that have good cadence, good tonality, that actually make, cracks a joke and makes that person smile, you're going to make a difference in every single person. Every interaction counts. So I'm just going to run away from the usual response that oh, it's helped me in my career, a political or legal career or whatever. It has. It's been massive. But I want to go further. I want to get. I want to get deeper. Every single interaction in our life counts. And the more we practice our public speaking skills and leadership skills, the more we're going to perfect and improve those little interactions, and we're going to be able to change the people's life around us. People around us, if they have a good person, a person that actually controls the way they speak. You can you can actually turn turn around some other person's day, and that is huge. That is huge. So, and in every single instance, that'd be the short response. Every interaction counts. Perfect. And which is the question will you launch to the next member that will attend? It is a very. It is not an easy question to answer. But I want that person to think about it. And that, the, the question is, let's just imagine that you remain in Toastmaster for the next five, ten years, five, ten years. All right? What do you see yourself? What do you think that person is going to be like in five or ten years? Who do you want to be in five, ten years? And allow me to elaborate a bit, John. When we get to our 30s and 40s, um, we get to this midlife crisis, etc. It's like, well, from now on, everything's going downhill and whatever. But I disagree with that. Every single day is a blessing. Every single day is a gift. And we should be thinking about our future selves and feel proud, feel pride. And in order to do that, we need to define what's going to make us proud in 10 years' time, whether it's 50, 60, 70 uh, are you going to feel proud about that person if you think about him? So how do you see yourself and how do you think Toastmaster is going to help you in that five or ten years journey? Thank you. That's really interesting and a question to think about for everyone. And finally, as promised, as you are in charge of the blood bank, uh, usually I've seen on the social media, on television, you have to ask people to give blood because it's necessary so why don't you practice that with us <laughs> at this moment <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that, i love this question because i get this as well with my the people that i uh, train with uh, on my mountain running uh, i've got this this philosophy of living of compartmentalized things so at the office, I'm Ismail, the managing director. At Toastmaster, I'm Isma, the guy that comes from the UK, but is Spanish, but looks from the... from. Um, I mean, the thing is, I, I like to be... I, I don't like to mix things. And if you're listening to me, Toastmaster, it's because you want to learn and you, you want to 
you, you don't want to mix things. I, I, at least I don't want to mix things. I could be doing so, but I, actually giving blood is very personal. And uh, if you want, what I want is that if you're going to hear from me asking you to give blood, it has to be on the telly, on the radio, on, on a newspaper, etc. I don't want to knock at your door and tell me, John, you and I are friends. Why, 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 you don't, why don't you come with me to give blood? Because that's not how it should work. For instance, I've, in my inner circle of my wife, my best friends, etc., I don't push it. I don't even talk about it. Most of them, have be, most of them have have become uh, blood donors because of me being the managing director, be, but but because they see me a lot on t on the telly or on the radio or newspapers, not because I've told them to. My wife is terribly scared of needles and blood, but because she comes to the office from time to time, uh, she got interested in it, and now she gives blood despite her fears. So I like to compartmentalize, and I don't think you're going to be hearing too much about the blood bank at Toastmaster. Just because of that, because I want you to see me as Isma, the guy that comes to the meetings, not Isma, the managing director of something. Perfect. That's <laughs> that's pretty clear, and that's a great decision. We are <laughs> here to to learn our skills and to put them in practice, and not to exactly. push people about our own ideas. And exactly. I think that one of the good things that we have at Toastmasters is the diversity of people that come from yeah. different jobs, careers, professions, whatever. And that is something that is very rich about this club. So Yeah, John, if you if you allow me, for instance, I've never I never talk about politics at the club as well. And I, I feel really uncomfortable with when people have talk mentioned politics at the club. And so I, I completely respect that. I, I'm not gonna tell anyone to not to avoid politics at the club but i'm not going to do it because again i'm isma the guy that wants to improve his speaking skills and wants to share his time with other club members i'm not the politician that wants to sell my product to to you guys so that's that's basically the idea thank you isma it has been a pleasure to have you here and my pleasure it's been well. really really interesting to listen about your experience your career your life hobby so uh, i think uh, I've heard of most of the things you were talking about, uh, having this in, let's say, half an hour. It's a, a good pack of really valuable information about Tisma, but also uh, really valuable lessons for, for life, I think, that we can think about and maybe apply them in the future. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Joan. I think the job that you're doing with this podcast is really, really amazing, and uh, I wish you the best for, for the future. Thank you, thank you. If you are not yet a Toastmaster member and you are interested in improving, just come. Attending the meeting as a guest is free and is the best way to understand how you can learn to speak in public without teachers, without pressure and with good colleagues. If you like this podcast and you think it can be of inspiration to, for someone, help us to spread it. And of course, in the purest Toastmaster spirit, we invite you to share with us any comments or constructive feedback that will help us improve the way we do it. Hear from us in the next episode.